Hello, and welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting here across the table from my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are back with Episode 9 of our podcast series, um, brought to you by our 15th annual Base Builder Training Program. Um, we are, I think, four weeks in now. To yes, the pro- we just finished our fourth week. Yeah, into our... 2020 um, base builder program and the intention of this podcast is kind of designed around leading the participants of our remote base builder program and our in-house base builder program at session six uh, through kind of the nuances of um, well really the specifics of at the end of each podcast we tackle the specifics of the next week's training but then also just various uh, nuances of training and performance and lifestyle habits and things like that, that, um, hopefully improve us as athletes. Um, so thanks for listening, coming back for episode nine. Um, so this week's episode, uh, we will cover, um, week five of our base builder program. Um, and then prior to that, we want to talk about a topic called nutrition periodization. Um, I think this is a a very interesting topic to me personally. I, I get, I, I find nutrition very fascinating and diet and how it relates to health and performance. And, um, I love food, went to culinary school. Um, so it all kind of like ties all together. I guess I'm just a, a food and nutrition person at heart. Um, but specifically or more specifically this time of year, fall going into fall here in North America, um, you know, is the time to really think about nutrition and food and diet and, uh, particularly if you're someone that is carrying an extra 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds, um, tweaking the diet, making some smart choices and getting into it um, now can really lead to big improvements down the road. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just good time. To re- like we said in our previous podcast, we reflected upon our race or event season over the summer and... I think with the changing of the seasons, it's a good time just to think about changes in your life. You know, the, the produce in the store is changing as the crops right, change. Point, and yeah. it's like, okay, let's think about... It's becoming apple season yeah, instead apple, of apples blueberry season. Yeah, apples were good season. that I bought the other yeah. day. Yeah, apples and oranges. Um, yeah, and just thinking about, like, well, did, what, what what foods can I prepare? What what foods should I eat? What makes me feel good? What what foods can I eat to optimize my, my training coming up? So, yeah. It's a fun topic. It is. And nutrition and diet is can be sort of, quote unquote, controversial. I mean, everyone has their own opinions and feelings and, you know, what to eat, what not to eat, um, you know, the numerous diets and everything that are out there. And that's not what this show will be about. Um, rather than telling you what to eat or what not to eat, we're going to kind of look at the bigger picture um, in terms of maybe more of like the, the macronutrient picture, uh, fats, carbohydrates, proteins, and kind of the ratios uh, within our diet and how those should or could relate to our training phases mm-hmm. um, to kind of make the most of things. Um, and ultimately, you know, it ends, you end up with better training and, you know, eventually improved body composition. And you, know? you feel better. And you feel better. Well. Absolutely. I mean, nobody can argue that eating things that grow from the ground, you know, isn't good for you. So, I mean, if you listen to a previous podcast, we talked about that. Just, we like to eat foods that, 
grow in a garden or come off a tree. Yeah. And, um, but mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't stick to like a plan that has a name um, to it and we aren't going to push that at all. We just want to talk about eating well and then eating um, wisely in relationship to what you're doing for the day in training. Exactly. Good. Well, I think this will be a good discussion. Um, but before we get to that, what what have we been up to late last week, I guess? Yeah. Well, we did the last podcast from Vegas. Yeah, from Las Vegas. Room. And it's funny when you say Vegas, usually people go, woo, woo. And, yeah. And they're like, like oh, oh, they look excited. Yeah, no, I, I really don't care for that city. It's too much for me. Yeah, it's a big ugh for, it's, from yeah, us. Yeah, for me, it's just too much, like... We um, we really enjoy the people we are with. We are there for a sponsor commitment. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about that, but like just the hyper simulation of like too many sounds, too many people, and like the odors. Ooh, like I can't believe people are allowed to smoke. Yeah. Inside down That's there, the, so that was really hands down the really worst hard part. for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually came home from the weekend extremely exhausted. Yeah, I mean that the struggles of traveling are are real, right? The struggle is real when you travel, um, particularly to something, a place like Las Vegas, but anywhere. But yeah, the, the lights, the sounds, and for me too, probably second to the cigarette smoke, um, is that you're like more or less indoors the entire time. Yeah, and there's no were. windows. Like there's very few windows at least. Mm -hmm. Like there's very little natural light. And that to me, I mean, it just throws me off. I'm sure it messes with our circadian rhythms and whatnot internally and yeah it's just doesn't yeah. feel like healthy to one bit <laughs> one bit you and i don't travel that way very often like we travel in our camper van to different races but we're in control of that environment yeah we, that's kind of our bed and we bring our food when it's usually to an outdoors environment yeah, but i had new empathy race. for people who travel for work for work yeah conventions um, and meetings and... that was brutal for me I remember feeling some panic in the mornings that I wouldn't be able to find fruit to eat because I really like to start my day with a banana or a fruit smoothie. And luckily we did find a banana at the Starbucks in the hotel, but it was really hard. It was yeah. just like panic. I, I don't want to eat bacon and sausage and eggs. Right, yeah. I mean, finding in our terms of good food, like fresh, healthy, vegetable-y food. vegetable that's a good word. <laughs> is not that you know, easy in a place like Las Vegas, any kind of probably large city, but I think particularly Las Vegas, there's yeah. not, it's not like easy to find a grocery store. I mean, we were limited. We didn't have a vehicle. I mean, we could Uber places, I, I figure, but, um, but yeah, it was a little tricky. I mean, we started out well cause we packed some dried fruit and nuts and even a little fresh fruit for the, but we didn't bring it out to the airport we were out pretty quickly. Yeah. And then the first breakfast because we had an early flight there was it's more like a brunch lunch and it was like oh. eggs and greasy potatoes and it was it was kind <laughs> of fun and then it was too much yeah so and then we kind of pulled it together the next morning we found some oatmeal a place where we could get some oatmeal yeah. and fruit um and things but yeah well, now we know for next time like we we probably should have just packed a little bit more of our preference our preferred foods um yeah, and then we, we we actually came up with a good plan that for dinner that one of the nights and breakfast the next morning, we shared a meal because we realized pretty quickly that the hotel restaurants were serving enormous portions. Yeah, the portions were outrageous. Oh my gosh, yeah. And so then we we shared and it was plenty. We saved money and we didn't feel like we were wasting food or stuffing ourselves because we didn't want to waste the food. Yeah, that, that was a good... 
that was a good pro tip. So if you're traveling with <laughs> a companion, tip. consider sharing food if it's not awkward. Um, because yeah, you, like you said, you save money and you eat, end up eating less. And generally, when you're eating out, it's higher calorie food because restaurants just pack in extra calories, oils, and whatnot. So kind of yeah. And if for some reason you're hungry after you share a plate, guess what? You can buy more food. Right. And it's not that big of a deal. So it ended up working out. But we de- definitely had some new empathy for people who have to do this often. Um, yeah, for sure. And along similar notes, I think um, we adjusted our training schedule, our own personal training schedule. We've, we follow very close to what's, uh, if not exactly, what's on our base builder training program through the, the fall and winter months. Um, so, so if you're following our program, we're doing very much the same, um, or at least very close to what you may be doing yourself. Um, and so we knew we were going to be out of town. We knew we were leaving crack of dawn Friday, not getting back till the afternoon on Sunday. So that weekend ride wasn't going to be an option. The weekend cyclocross race wasn't going to be an option. So we had to kind of readjust things. And I, I think it's worthwhile just kind of running through that briefly or real quickly here. Um, because a lot of people travel for work and for, with families and what, whatever. Um, so what we did in our exact example is typically we, uh, the typical week is starting kind of the second half of the week is strength training on Thursday, and then Friday is often kind of a recovery day or an easy day, or if we're, or if we're going to race like a cyclocross race, maybe just like a little race prep, you know, opener kind of workout. Then right now, this time of year, we're most Saturdays tackling a cyclocross race, and then Sundays either recovery and rest, or as we start to build more volume in, we'll do some kind of aerobic endurance rides on Sundays. So <clears throat> knowing we were going to be gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were able to move our in longer endurance ride to Thursday. Um, you got that in before coaching the um, strength class at the gym. Yeah, and I was kind of tired going into it because Tuesday I had done a really long ride for me, three and a half hours. Right. Wednesday I had raced cyclocross plus ridden evening. to the course there and back. Right. Right, in the evening. So then I had to turn around the next morning really quickly and yeah. and do, I think I did like three hours with my friend Deb. Um, so I felt pretty fatigued on the ride, but I, I knew it was fine because I was going to basically rest. Basically next, rest, yeah. The next three days. And yeah, and so that was basically what I did as well. Got in that extra long ride on Thursday, and then Friday we just knew it was going to be fatiguing for traveling and everything and just rode it as a day off. And then our hotel had a decent gym to it. So instead of doing our strength um, on Thursday, we moved it to Saturday, knowing we had some free time before um, our obligations on Saturday, and got our strength workout in. Um, And there was even a little bit of piecemealing there because they didn't have like a barbell for back squats and deadlifts that we would normally do. And some of the other equipment was different. And the actual physical space in the hotel gym was extremely limited it was bizarre they had a, like jam crammed full of equipment yeah and there was quite a few people using it which i guess is good to see um so we we were in like awkward conditions there and we just kind of made the made best, the best of, it. of it yeah it we, was fine. you know instead of having a selection of kettlebells we used dumbbells um we didn't have like the stability balls so we did some other core movements yeah, um, mix things around you have to yeah. be creative when you're traveling yep so um, you can get it done. So if you are a traveler, you know, for work or whatever, um, kind of plan a look ahead, plan ahead, and you can rearrange the training schedule to match or at least work around your travels. 
and uh, most hotels have some sort of gym that you can access and um, and kind of move those strength days to those days I think mm-hmm. works is a smart way to do it. Yeah, we felt better that we got to move that morning before we had to go do the things that were, were required of us. Right, that's true. Kind of woke us up from our day off and traveling the day yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so good. So that was successful. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's move on to some questions here. The We don't have a whole lot of exciting questions here, but the, the top two questions I've probably received over the last two weeks or so via email. Um, number one is, can I, you know, it's, I see your program, your remote base builder program started in August or September. And, you know, is there another program that comes along at some point I can join or can I still join? And yes, the answer is yes. So the, this remote base builder program that we have and, and the base builder we do um, at session six in-house, the first eight weeks, more or less September, October, are an introduction to the strength training and it's a very slow and progressive buildup in the strength training. And the outdoor rides, which are included as suggestions in the training plan, are just low-intensity aerobic rides, your classic kind of like base training miles. And then if you're a cyclocrosser, you can insert um, the weekend races or if you have a weeknight um, series or something where you live as well. So the long answer short is... Yes, you can still join. This is the one and only remote base builder or base builder program that we have. Just join it when you can. We we intentionally designed it with this first eight weeks as sort of like an on-ramp period where as athletes, cyclists are wrapping up their current season, take a short little break and then join us where you are. And you can catch up very easily um, until, you know, during this period because there's no structure on the bike yet. It's just in, you know low intensity riding, and then the strength training is um, very introductory, kind of building up, easing into things that way. So you could even go as far as to say you really don't need to follow the program the first eight weeks. Although you're way better off if you do, um, or even if it's the last two or three weeks of the first eight weeks, um, because you get that introductory period. You find a good flow and rhythm of everything. You learn all the movements in the gym. You get some easy miles outside while the weather's still really good um, and, you know, continuing to improve that way. And then when November rolls around and we start block two, that's when the trainer, the structured trainer workouts come in and more of the, like, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but a little more aggressively ramped strength build mm-hmm. um, through November. Well, one of the benefits of starting the strength program now is that when you're not doing the trainer classes is that you have more time to do the uh, look at the YouTube channel and, and learn the movements. So oh, good that point. Yeah. going forward, you don't have to do that anymore. You just know when you see plank kettlebell pull-throughs what they are. What that and is, And then you yeah. can just get going and, and start your workout. Right, okay. So a little planning ahead of time now means you're more prepared in block two for the strength workouts. Okay. Yeah, and we've had a few people sign up in this last couple of weeks as well. And what I've been telling them and what I'll tell anyone that's considering signing up now is to sort of, quote, catch up on the strength portion is focus on the – there's two sessions a week in the strength, session one, session two. Focus on the session ones of each week. So if you were to, say, start next week in week five, do session 
do the week one, session one, on Monday, and mm-hmm. then do week two, session one, on Thursday, and then the next week, week three, session one. So just kind of work your way through the session ones, and you you get the bulk of the gentle progression there, and learning the movements, um, and kind of by the end, by the time we start block two, you will have essentially sort of caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good advice. Yeah, and be back on track, so... Um, so yeah, if you're thinking about joining us, do it. It's fun. We're gaining lots of uh, people joining us, and the more we get, the more kind of fun it is, and uh, following along and experiencing everything that we're doing. Um, so another question that kind of parlays from the first one is, um, I've had two people recently, and I've had many in the past, ask, I see that your um, Base Builder program involves riding on a stationary trainer. I don't like the stationary trainer, or sometimes they'll say, I don't need to ride the stationary trainer because I live in Southern California or Arizona or something. Um, you know, it, does this still work for me? Can I adapt these workouts to outdoor riding? Um, and that's a question, like I say, every year I get a bunch of questions about that um, and a lot lately. And the answer is yes, you can adapt the workouts, although they're written very specific for indoor training, um, so that you can even upload them into um, like Zwift even and use it with a smart trainer. They are very adaptable to outdoor riding. Um, Now, there's a a massive benefit to training indoors on a trainer, regardless of your weather or your how warm it is or you know, all that kind of thing. It's very time efficient to be indoors. Yes, it is. And we'll dedicate a whole show to this in about three weeks or so as we get close to starting up the trainer program because I want to have, I want to make sure everyone at home following along has like all the equipment and set up correct and ready to go. But yeah, the number one time efficiency is incredible. I mean, in 75 minutes, you can get way more of a workout, more TSS, you know, just overall more effectiveness in 75 minutes on the trainer compared to 75 minutes outside on the road where you have just interruptions and things. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, and I just think learning how to pedal on the trainer and stay focused and all these sorts of things, um, there's just a lot of benefits. And we'll cover that in an upcoming um, But I can show. relate to people asking you that question <clears throat> because when we first started, well, when you and I first met in 2008, um, and I believe it was 2009 I started doing the trainer yeah. program, I did not like it that much. I... Was never a. I grew up as a runner, but I was never a treadmill runner. Right. It was like classic, just sort of outdoors in my sweatpants. Right. And um, the idea of being on a stationary bike was very unappealing to me, and I sort of struggled through that first year. Mm-hmm. The second year, um, I liked it more. The third year, I liked it even more. So I can just really relate to people not like their aversions ad- or yeah, their aversion to it initially, and it sounds unpleasant or distasteful, but. I can truly say, like, honestly say, I've grown to very much enjoy the trainer workouts. Yes. I not just tolerate them, but actually enjoy them. Yeah, you get to where you look forward to them. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, we, yeah. you laugh and you chat with your friends in the group, if you get to be in the group. But it, it's just kind of like you're, I'm, I'm a task-oriented person, so it's like you're checking it off the list. Like, okay, I did my, my spin-ups. Okay, now I did my ILTs. Okay, now I'm doing these two by 15 minutes, like before you know it, you're done Yeah, and you had this amazing workout. Yeah. I mean, the workouts are so highly structured. I mean, literally every second of every minute is like accounted for with some sort of objective of cadence, of heart rate, of Mm -hmm. power, 
of whatever gear, you know, sitting or standing or one-legged, two-legged, you know, recovery, whatever the case may be, there's everything, every second is accounted for mm-hmm. and it's just extremely efficient and effective and there's like essentially zero wasted right. time. Um, it's a lot of benefit. So we'll talk way more about that, but to answer the questions I've been getting recently, um, you know, no, you don't have to do these on the trainer. Yes, they are easily adaptable to outdoor riding. Um, and so that would be up to the user of, you know, how you'd want to do that. And of course you can always email me and I can kind of steer you the right way of how to adapt it if out, for outside riding if you're not sure. So, um, good. Let's move on. What do you say? Uh, yeah. I, I know you're excited to jump into the main topic of nutrition periodization. So let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so the idea here is nutrition periodization concepts for endurance athletes. Um, so as cyclists, we're endurance athletes. Um, <clears throat> I want to first address like what is periodization? You know, many endurance athletes have heard of this term. It actually comes from the strength training world. In fact, I, I believe um, a, a Russian, I believe is his nationality coach, um, Tudor Bampa, um, I believe from like the 60s, maybe 70s, I uh, should have done my research, um, kind of is, had coined maybe the phrase or at least the concept, and there's a great book he wrote about it. But periodization in general, the, the way I like to think of it is it's breaking up um, a long-term progression, okay, so training in our, in our case, into smaller periods um, that are very highly focused during that period before moving on to the next period, right? So periodization, it's, think of it as shorter periods of time that are all interconnected to a larger period of time, like a season, um, and each period has an individual focus to it. So, um, <clears throat> you know, an example of periodize, periodized training for cycling, very common structure is like you have your base training period that's three, four months, then you have like a build period or race prep period that's maybe a couple of months. Um, and then you finish it off with like a peak period and into a racing period. Uh, so, you know, each one of those periods is has its own focus where like in general that base period is usually more like aerobic and strength training and kind of building up volume. And then the, the second period, that build period, is more about introducing high-intensity training and then finally, the peak period is sharpening and getting ready for racing. So they're all interconnected, but each individual period has its own focus. And purpose. Yeah, yeah, purpose. And But the greater pictures are all working towards the same ultimate goal, which is a peak performance on the race that occurs at the end of the peak period. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of like the definition of periodization. Um, so nutrition periodization is extremely similar and it the concept it's kind of a newer-ish concept I'd say in the last like five six years probably um, where people really started to talk about this and think about it Um, but it's really about um, aligning your nutritional needs with the training period that you're in so it's I like to say thoughtful manipulation of your diet to accommodate the training periods that you're in so um you know, if you go back to our example with the, the base period, the build period, and the peak period, um, you know, you're addressing different energy systems within those 
different periods, and therefore your nutrient demands, the, the calorie demands, um, those sorts of things are different per um, period of training. Right, right? exactly. Is that yep. making sense? Okay. It's making sense to me. All right. Um, so what is it exactly that we're sort of manipulating other than maybe calories? One of, that's one of the obvious ones. If you're riding more, you need to consume more calories. If you're riding less, you consume less. But kind of beyond that, looking more at the kind of macronutrient levels of your diet, okay? And this has become more popular in the last couple of years, I think, is this whole like macro diet kind of thing. Um, I think there's a lot of value to it. So so our diet, um, the food we eat is made up of three macronutrients, right? There's fat, there's protein, and there's carbohydrate, okay? We need all three of them in our diet um, to, to live as humans. Um, you know, in fact, as a side note, any diet that's like anti or telling you to limit or not consume any one of those three is just wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we in our one of our previous podcasts, we joked about previous trends that we grew up with. The fat-free diet yeah, oh my in gosh, the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was in college, it, those were the prime years for the fat-free uh, train of thought. And it was miserable. I was starving all the time. Well, and that's what ultimately has led to obesity that we have today. Yeah, it's I like was people were trained, so hungry. Yeah, no fat. So instead it got replaced with more carbohydrates. And yeah. here we are of the fattening of America, right? right? And we're addicted to sugar and, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's, what I, that's what I always think about when you talk about macronutrients is how in college yeah. I wouldn't use fat for anything. No butter, no cheese, no nothing. Right. No the, oil. But the bagel with jelly on it. Yes. And, and then I was starving <laughs> an hour later. Right. Um, yeah. And then the more common, like now seems to be this like anti-carbohydrate concept mm-hmm. and to be anti-carbohydrate is just, nonsense. I mean, to put it any other way. Now, the carbohydrates do play a very specific role as a macronutrient in our diet. You know, one is our brain works on glucose, so you have to consume carbohydrates to stay alive, but there's different kinds of carbohydrates, right? Without getting too deep into this, you know, the kind of the more simple, the more complex kind of quickly digesting versus slower digesting carbohydrates, and there's benefits to to both depending on what it is you're doing. And therein lies the general concept of the nutritional of the periodization. Right. Yeah, it's thinking about the foods, the types of foods, the types of macronutrients you're consuming on a regular basis and kind of having them align with the activities that you're doing, the movement that you're doing or not doing, right? Right, exactly. Um, so we have our three macronutrients. We need all of them, and it's really just this manipulation of the ratios um, and kind of aligning with the different training periods that, that we're in um, as endurance athletes. <clears throat> so an example might be in the base period when we're um, doing kind of like the low heart rate, um, kind of long and slow base miles, accumulating the miles. Um, you're going to, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish is training your body to use fat for fuel and to spare glycogen, okay? Spare the carbohydrates stored in your body. So the... Uh, you know, to periodize your diet, what would be helpful then is to make sure you're consuming enough quality fats. So maybe the percentage of the fats that you're consuming goes up a bit. Um, the amount of carbohydrates, assuming you're riding kind of low to moderate volume, you know, lengths of rides, the carbohydrate intake doesn't need to be that significant, okay? 
Um, so, so the carbohydrate ratio, as fat goes up, carbohydrate ratio can kind of come down a little bit. Um, most people, definitely in our program, we are big proponents of strength training during the base period. Well, really all year long, but quite significantly in the base period. Um, and I think a lot of people follow that kind of train of thought. So if you're strength training more, and as you get to heavier strength training, more stressful strength training, a little bit extra protein is helpful. So in the base period, you look at it as between those three macronutrients, maybe your carbohydrates come down a little bit, and that gives more room for bumping up quality fats, healthy fats, and um, protein a little bit. Okay, and I'm not going to talk specific like ratios, but I guess to paint a picture, a better picture, maybe it's like um, uh, I'm just trying to think real quick: thirty percent protein, thirty percent healthy fats, and forty percent uh, carbohydrates. For which kind of day? Kind of for like the the overall like base period. Um, period. Okay. Right. <laughs> not, not talking about specific day yet. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then when you transition into the build, which classically means you're going to start maybe doing some higher intensity intervals, um, and that sort of things you start, then you begin to actually need the carbohydrates to fuel your training sessions to recover from your training sessions. Um, you're probably backing off the strength training a little bit. Um, at that point, if not a lot. So maybe protein comes down, carbohydrates go up. And also, I think to make room for the extra carbohydrates, fat might even come down a little bit. So from that 30, 30, 40 um, rough number I threw out there of fat, protein, carbohydrate, you know, maybe the carbohydrates now bump up to 50 or 60% and the fats and proteins come down to 25% or something like along those lines. Um, I just recently, as a side note, posted a, a article on our website, endurance.session6.com, about this exact topic. Um, and I, in, within that article, I gave a little bit more specific or um, more thoughtful <laughs> uh, explanations of the exact of the percentages. Okay. Like as we're speaking now, I should have like written it down, but as I'm thinking. Speaking now, I'm kind of trying to pull them up. Well, you wrote a great head, article, but... and people can pull that up on our blog. Yeah, so if you are interested in more of the specific percentages, you can check that out. Uh, but I'll do my best here to paint the Well, you're also visual. making me think of the app that you like to use, MyFitnessPal. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's looking for a tool to assist them with just some general guidelines, MyFitnessPal is helpful. Yeah. And you can man- – I think there's some default settings in there, but you can def- manipulate like the percentages of macronutrients to fit your – periodization and that can give you a general guideline as to yeah you know how am i doing like a, a, a visual picture of wow today i was a little hog got a little hog wild and i had 80 percent carbs and that probably didn't really <laughs> fit with what i was doing activity wise right yeah no that's a great piece of advice for sure check that out even if you track do like a nutrition log or diet log for a couple of days or a week is really good then it gives you a really good idea of what your kind of daily weekly diet kind of consists mm-hmm. of and then from there you can adjust and tweak things and put a lot more thought into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm so, not I'm not someone who wants to track it every day that I find that to be stressful, but I have used that app in different times of the year just to get a better picture of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe at the beginning of each training period, maybe you track it your um diet for a week. Mm-hmm. See where you are. See if you need to make any little adjustments up or down on anything and 
go from there. But that's a great piece of advice. Um, and then kind of back to our conversation, moving into like the the race prep or racing time of year um, season. Then again, carbohydrates still need to be of utmost importance because you need them to fuel your workouts, yeah, fuel your racing. Don't be afraid of carbohydrates. Yeah, and it's often at this time of year where you'll introduce more of the manufactured simple carbohydrates like gels and sports drinks and recovery drinks uh, where like back in the base period you should um, kind of avoid those and not Mm -hmm. do those focus more on like fruits and vegetables and whole foods Um, but then in that race period where you need to kind of bump the carbohydrate intake up a lot of times like you have to go to those sources particularly on race day but even around training days you know you need you need then that recovery drink that's got kind of the the extra sugars in it, um, the extra protein in it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you can kind of lean a little more heavily on those for that period of the year. And then when you re- are done with that, go back to, you know, removing those sorts of things from your diet, the, the manufactured sports nutrition kind of stuff. Um, so those are some examples of, um, nutrition periodization. So, you know, like anything, you can make this as like exact and precise and complicated as you want, or you can walk away with like the general concept. And that's what I hope most people do is walk away with like the general thought and it gets you like the wheels turning in your brain and thinking about it. Um, so the, the nutshell or the, the thing to take away here is just that concept of, you know, you're putting some thought into how you can manipulate your diet, the food that you put in your mouth to improve your performance okay and we'll get into that a little bit here shortly and possibly improve your body composition yes so they go hand in hand exactly um exactly so that's a good segue i mean into sort of the benefits like why should you consider periodizing your nutrition um first and foremost if you're eating the right macronutrients then you're going to be fueling your body better more Mm -hmm. effectively okay so the Food is fuel. I mean, bottom line, we're as much as we love and enjoy to put food in our mouths and that we get that satisfaction. The the real reason we eat food is to fuel our bodies, you know, day to day. As athletes, it's even more critical, and particularly as older athletes, once you're like thirty or older, it's even more critical. And probably every decade, it becomes more and more and more critical to eat the right foods. Um, so that improved fueling is going to go a long ways in making sure you feel good on your workouts um, and you're able to accomplish the workouts at at hand you know if you eat the right fats proteins carbohydrates prior to and during your three four hour endurance ride that ride's going to go a lot better than if you don't eat the right amount of we saw that last year with um, some of our participants at the noon class of the trainer classes and they would not feel well during a trainer session and I would ask them what did you eat today and I remember one of the younger kids uh one of the kids on our Weedebo team had had like one banana and a small bowl of oatmeal and at like eight in the morning, at eight in the morning yeah. and somehow that was supposed to fuel her for the hour 15 minutes on the bike at noon and it just wasn't enough. So we got to have a good conversation about like, let's consume X, Y, and Z before we sit on the bike for well, she, she in fact was going to do two hours on the trainer. So she, she needed more food. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, a great example. So fueling is probably the, one of the biggest things coming out of the, the concept is making sure you have the right fuel. So when you're 
training more like a diesel engine in the base period, let's eat more diesel fuel, which would be the fats, the proteins, and the really vegetable-based, starchy, fibrous carbohydrates, staying away from like the sugars and whatnot. And then conversely, when you get more into the build intensity period, you know you can start adding in some breads and pastas and things to give you that extra carbohydrate punch. Maybe lower down the fats and proteins a little bit to make room for that. And you feel yourself better for those VO2 max intervals that are coming or what you know whatever the workout is. Um, so fueling is probably one of the, among the better ones. Um, another benefit would be improving your recovery. So this is right after your workouts. Um, a, a classic one is with the strength training. You know, if you when you're strength training quite a bit and at fairly high loads that are stressful, you know, just you know, tearing your muscles down, and we want to repair, we need that extra protein in there. Um, during some of the racing season, I don't think as a percentage of your diet, you don't need a high percentage of protein because you're going to be training and racing quite a bit and eating a lot more calories. So the percentage of your carbohydrates goes up significantly and actually the percentage of your protein goes down, even though the exact amount of protein might actually stay the same, if that makes sense. Well, Cody, you're really good about periodizing what you eat for your activity for the day. So it might be helpful to our listeners if you give an example um, oh, we going to do that <laughs> of what you eat per type of workout. Yeah. I want to get to that, but you, you oh, jumped I, ahead. I jumped ahead. Yeah. yeah My yeah. bad. That's okay. We're right now. Let's go through the benefits real quick, but that is a great question and we will definitely address that. Um, so recovery is, is huge. Um, if you're training more, more volume, bigger miles, more time, you need more carbohydrates. If you're training less volume, miles, time, you need less carbohydrates. Uh, if you're doing more strength training, you need a little bit more protein. Um, you know, if you're doing kind of low and slow base miles like we're doing now, you probably need a little bit more of the healthy fats, more olive oil, more avocados, more nuts, those sorts of things. Um, and get your carbohydrates from broccoli and sweet potatoes and mm-hmm. avoid sports drinks and sugary stuff. And tortilla chips. <laughs> and tortilla chips. That's <laughs> hard to do <laughs> um, uh, for recovery. So all that's key. Um the third one, and I think this is perhaps maybe the biggest one for a certain population, is improving one's body composition that you mentioned earlier. Um, many recreational endurance athletes, cyclists, are carrying an extra 10, 20, maybe even 30 pounds of body weight, that they mm-hmm. body fat that they don't need. Um, it's doing you no favors whatsoever. Even the leanest, skinniest, most ripped endurance athlete you can picture has more than enough body fat but stores for energy to fuel their training so it's not like the joke is you know you've got extra energy because you you're 20 pounds bigger right and we all laugh about it and um but that's not the case you got plenty of fat stores regardless of how big or small you are um but that extra fat is extra weight you have to carry around which is a hindrance. Especially climbing hills. Especially climbing hills, yeah. When gravity comes into play, no doubt. Um, So by manipulating your diet, eating the right foods um, and the right calories, because there is some interplay there, the right amount of calories, I should say, um, you can make massive changes in your body composition. And, you know, I think that that, well, first of all, that someone that's even just 10 pounds overweight, which actually isn't that much, 
um, but 10 pounds over, let's say, ideal racing weight. You'll make more, gain more benefits in kind of your watts per kilogram, which ultimately is how fast you are on the bicycle, than any kind of training you really can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could just like pedal your bike around with like no structure, um, but drop those 10 pounds and you're automatically, without gaining any more fitness, like more power, you're going to go significantly faster. Right. And have significantly more endurance, you know, not slow down as quickly. So it's massive. So, you know, if you're 15 pounds overweight, imagine the benefits. If you're 20 pounds overweight, you know, even more benefits. So there's tons of room for people to improve there. Um, and honestly, most adults over 25 are walking around with 5 or 10 pounds or maybe more of extra body weight. Um, yeah, and it's frustrating for people. It is. And so I think, you know, thinking about this nutritional periodization and matching your nutrition with your training that you're doing, because we see so many people come and train with us and they get stronger, they can put out more watts, yeah. but then sometimes like their, their, the body weight or the, that body fat doesn't change, change a whole lot, if any. Well, I think there's, but there's two parts of, at play here. And we talked about this, we've talked about the low heart rate training a lot lately. So I'll plug it one more time. This is the time of year to ride slowly. Exactly. And run slowly if you're running. Um, it, it goes against everything most people think is what you should do. I want to work hard. I want to, I have an hour. I'm going to go hard. Mm -hmm. Slow down. Let your body burn fat for fuel. Right. You will see a change in your composition. Um, I mean, I've seen it myself. Like, if you know me, I'm a very thin person naturally. But I can hide a few pounds or maybe not hide it uh, <laughs> around my waist, especially if I drink too much wine. So <laughs> I need to back off the sugar, which... Wine is sugar, um, or my Milano cookies that I like to eat, and I will see a reduction of some weight around my waist. Over the past couple months, I've also been very, very focused on riding slowly and keeping my heart rate under 130. And like, beginning to ride more and, and more. And running more, kind of riding more and more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I have, I think I basically lost um, four pounds in three or four months, which for my body frame is significant. Yeah. And I feel better. Like, it just doesn't feel good to carry extra weight. So you can do it with some very simple changes. Number one, eat good food. Number two, um, ride slower. Ride slower, right. And periodize that nutrition and that diet around riding slower, which as we kind of touched on is like now's the time to eat those healthier fats. Mm -hmm. Make sure your protein is adequate. It doesn't have to be overboard. And then get those simple sugars, processed foods out of the diet. Um, and get your carbohydrates from broccoli and sweet potatoes. Those are my two go-tos. And beans. I, I enjoy beans for the fiber for as well. Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the body comp changes are, are huge for most people. Now, if you're, you know, if you race at 145 pounds and you're 150 pounds going into the fall, that's not a problem. Um, in fact, I tell most people that are able to get to their ideal um, kind of race weight, body fat levels, in season that it's okay to actually gain a little bit going into the off season. In fact, you will because you'll do a little more strength training. You'll put on a little extra muscle mass. I mean, we're only talking a couple of two, three, four pounds, um, which is good for people that are already able to get really lean and light and where they want to be. Um, but for those that aren't, you know, now is the time to make those changes, really think about number one, like you said, the riding that you're doing, make sure it's slow enough 
low enough heart rate that you're tapping into those body fat stores, and then complement that with the periodized nutrition of those healthier fats, protein, and those kind of fibrous plant-based carbohydrates. carbohydrates. Yeah. I like how you use that phrase in your blog. Yeah. And I think that's the key. And now's the time to do it because unless you're keying in heavily on cyclocross, um, you don't have any real events probably coming up here for a while. Um, so, you know, if you're in a little bit of a calorie reduced mode or, you know, this shift in diet, maybe like throws you off a little bit, um, which does happen if people that are like kind of carbohydrate addicted and you cut back significantly, and I'm not saying eliminate, but cut back significantly, um, it does make you feel weird. I mean, it's an addictive substance, carbohydrates, sugar in particular. Um, and there, are, there is sort of like a withdrawal period from it and you'll feel off and your performance might go down. But if the idea is just to ride slow anyways, it's okay if your performance goes down. And then over time, you're going to start dropping those, the fat, um, and changing. And then also combined with the strength training, you're going to be gaining muscle, which is sort of like a one, two punch where you're losing fat, gaining muscle. So you're reducing your body fat mass, increasing muscle that's going to help you produce more watts down the road and really flipping that ratio on its head and improving the watts per kilogram. And it's so exciting to see your body change. Oh yeah. And it feels good. Yeah. Feel stronger and healthier. Right. And, and, and another thing not to belabor the point too much, but it's like, if you're riding low heart rate, let's say it's like you want to keep it 125 heart rate up, um, your favorite kind of gradual uh, grade climb, and you're really struggling to do that, like you have to go so slow, as you lose weight, as you lose fat weight, you're going to be able to move up that hill more quickly at that same low heart rate effort. So you're going to start seeing yourself riding you know, with lower heart rates naturally being able to go a little faster or push a little more up the hills and your heart rate will stay down. I mean, that's one of the biggest factors of why, you know, elite endurance athletes can ride along at a brisk pace, even up a hill with a low heart rate is because they're very close to, if not already there around their optimal body composition. They're not carrying that extra weight. But, you know, if I were to strap on a 15 pound weight plate on my back and you want me to go ride up the local hill and my aerobic heart rate that I can do easily without the 15-pound weight plate on my back, my heart rate's it's going to be a challenge. I don't have to slow way down. Maybe mm-hmm. I can't even do it. You know, I don't know. Um, so that that body mass is key. But let's let's circle back around because okay. we do have some people listening that, like me and you, are not holding extra weight. So they're thinking, well, do I really need to periodize my nutrition? I'm happy with my body size, my body composition. Right. Um, but we, we had this little talk before we started uh, recording, recording this, and, and you said, yeah, but you if you periodize your nutrition, you're improving your fueling, which was benefit number one. So just to reiterate, you may be listening and, and you don't need to change your body composition, but consider this principle of nutrition periodization for the first or second benefit. Improve fueling, i.e. you'll feel better while you're working out. And number two, improve recovery. Right, right. So it's not just a weight loss strategy or a diet, right? right? Yeah, so it's it's both. It's like you said, you improve your performance. And subsequently, if it if your body comp- composition needs to change, it that will just sort of happen as result, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so it's a, it's a really worthwhile um, thing to think about um, and to start kind of incorporating into your training now. 
And then um, as we go, we'll touch on things of like what you shouldn't shouldn't be eating as we go through our different uh, training phases. Um, and that will kind of align with this whole concept. Um, now, one last thing before we kind of wrap this topic up is there's also nutrition periodization on a more like micro level, a much smaller level. So what we've spoken about so far is <clears throat> kind of on the bigger macro level of periodizing like a season or like many, many weeks or even months at a time. But the same concept applies at a, at a weekly or daily level. So basically like what you're doing on the day should dictate what kind of food and fuel you're putting into your body to help you accomplish what you're doing on that day. So, um, you know, different training days require different nutrition is the simple way to, to think about it. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, like, uh, essentially like in our training program, I'd say most training programs, I mean, you have your kind of your basic, like kind of low to medium heart rate aerobic ride, kind of that basic ride. You have um, usually an endurance day somewhere in there, depending on the training phase you're in, um, an intensity day that's some sort of intervals or something, um, a strength day or two, and then most people have like a rest day in there. So scattered throughout the week and, um, you know, the, the, the overall durations and what intensity you're doing and things will vary based on your training phase, but that's a very common way to go. You know, it's usually like, a couple of intensity days, a couple of strength days, a couple of aerobic days, maybe a big endurance day, and a rest day. So what you do is you, you want to start thinking about the food that you're consuming on those given days should sort of match the output that you're going to be wanting to get from your body. So, you know, a basic aerobic, low heart rate aerobic day um, should be like we've spoken about already, you know, a little higher in fats. Um, lower in carbs and the carbs should be those plant-based, you know, starchy, um, fibrous carbs, um, and a little bit of protein on the flip side. If you're going to do a high intensity day, you need to focus more on the carbohydrates. And, And these are subtle changes, um, that fit into the overall periodized like macro level. Um, but it's just like the added touch of like, Thinking of food as fuel and addressing so maybe it on an intensity day you have more fruit. Like yeah, a fruit, up the fruit. A fruit smoothie an hour before an intense spike workout. Right. Yeah. Instead of like um, avocado toast with eggs and arugula that you might have like on your low heart rate kind of fat burning day mm-hmm. for breakfast, maybe then you go for the oatmeal with some nuts and and fruit. Yeah, it's like that. Is it something to change? So the oatmeal is going to fuel the carb based high intensity workout that would come on an intensity day. The avocados and eggs will fuel and a little bit of the bread will fuel the lower heart rate fat burning day. Um, obviously an endurance day, if you're going to go for a really big ride, you know, you need to eat more, but most of that more should be carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can definitely lean a little heavier on the breads, the pastas, the waffles you like to make uh, waffles. Yeah. That's our favorite long ride day ride or pre-ride fuel. Um, also like the recovery drink afterwards, you know, um, that's more carbohydrate based strength days. Um, I, you know, we like to do strength usually on their own separate days, meaning you're not going to ride in addition in many cases. So strength days, you don't need a whole lot of carbohydrates to lift weights. Um, so those should be just vegetables and then focus a little more on protein. So for me, I don't need a ton of meat throughout the week, but 
if I'm going to eat some fish or some chicken or some beef, it would be on the strength days, you know, get that little extra protein boost in there. Um, and then the healthy fats are always good um, there. And then, you know, on rest days, honestly, I don't take too many rest days, days off, um, especially once we get into the main part of training. But if I were to, it's really about making sure I don't eat too much, yeah, especially in one given key on, meal. on recovery days, rest days. You have to um, decrease your calories. Just make the meal sizes smaller. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. So you can, it can eat. be tricky for people. It is for yeah. me. I struggle with it. So grab a smaller plate and you know fill it up, but it's a smaller plate, so it's a little less. You know that's a little one of the tricks. Drink a lot of extra water on the recovery days, the rest days. One, you probably need it, and then also um, that kind of fills you up. You eat a little less, and then definitely eliminate like sugars and um, excessive. Um, carbohydrates and right, things right. so um so yeah so different training days within the bigger macro cycle of a period you know periodizing your overall season just require a little you know just think a little bit more kind of day-to-day as well and again before you know don't well if you want to overanalyze it go for it and keep super detailed logs and do it you know exactly the best you can or just go into it thinking putting a little more thought into like okay i'm hungry it's time for lunch what do I got? What have I done already today, training wise? And what am I going to do later today, training wise? What's the way to go here mm-hmm. um, with the food choices that I make? And it goes a long ways to again performance in terms of fueling and recovery, and also improving your body composition. Um, cool. I think we've addressed yeah, well said, Cody. most of that. Yeah, thanks. Um, so good stuff. If you have any questions or comments, you know, definitely send them our way. Um, we have our forum, uh, endurance.session6.com forward slash forum. It's in the main navigation bar, drop down menu, um, and put some questions in there. We've been, it's starting to pick up a little bit of momentum in the forum, but um, these are the kind of things. If you like listen to this show and you're like, oh, you know, what are some good breakfast ideas or something? Ask, ask that in the forum and we'll be happy to contribute, but maybe some others. Will contribute their favorite breakfast before a VO2 max interval session or something. Um, so use that forum, uh, and we're always happy to answer the questions. All right, let's move on. Um, let's talk about, uh, as we do each week, the upcoming training. So we're going to be coming into week five of our base builder program. Um, so halfway through, we're now halfway through um, the first training block. So we have uh, eight week training blocks, four eight week training. Is it four? Yeah. Yeah, four eight week training blocks this year um, for our base builder program. So we're halfway through the first one. Continuing to kind of build that strength base. The last four weeks were real heavily focused on adapting to the strength program, learning everything, getting into the routine. And now we've gone through every single movement at least once, if not two or three times. Um, and now it's time to like, kind of just kick it up just a small notch and think of it more as like you're, now you're putting in those base repetitions. Um, you know, in cycling, it's all about base miles, weightlifting, it's like those base repetitions. Nothing's particularly hard or heavy, but you're just accumulating those reps at kind of moderate loads and, um, building that, that strength base. Um, so core sets, we go through... We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, you go back, be to, back to uh, one and two. Set number, yeah, one and two, one and, and, two. and go through them again. And hopefully, this time they'll 
you won't feel so awkward and you'll be kind of excited that you know what you're getting ready ready to do. Right. And we'll up the, the progression is we'll up the reps, the number of reps. And this is all on the, the spreadsheet that you'll have as part of your workout. But if you did, you know, three sets of 12 reps of the stability ball rollouts, now it's maybe three sets of um, 15 or 16 reps, you know, just increasing those reps of the sets. Um, Push-pull, same kind of concept. We're, we're maintaining the sets, but we want to gradually, and the, sorry, the sets and the load, the weights that you're choosing, or body weight in, in some cases, and just gradually increasing the reps as well. So really, both of those things, number one, they're warm-ups to the strength sessions, but they're also the core sets and the push-pull. But we're also kind of just establishing this like muscular endurance and like baseline strength before we get into block two, in which case with the push and pull, we'll start increasing the loads, the weight that we're moving um, and reducing the reps. So right now we're building up the reps. Um, so goal in the coming weeks is to work up to like 20 reps. Um, it's going to be individual for each person. but Yeah, I can feel it today. I, I told you that this morning over coffee. Like I yeah. did a few extra push-ups yesterday. and Yeah, then you did the last my time. My little chicken arms are sore today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a good sore. Like, it's not too much. And, yeah. Um, I really want to get strong at push-ups. I'm, that's like a goal. I, I watch, like, you do push-ups. Or typically, guys are just better at yeah, push-ups. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I just want to, like, be able to crank out 10, 20, and not look like I do right now, like, or straining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, push-ups are amazing. I mean, if I was going to say one upper body strength movement, push-ups are yeah. like the thing to do for sure. And I think they're very relatable to cycling. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're holding ourselves up on the bike, on the handlebars in a push-up like position. Yeah, like a plank. Yeah. And if you're going through any kind of rough terrain and like mountain biking or cyclocross, I mean, you're just basically doing pushing and pulling. Push, yeah, push-ups. So, um, <clears throat> So yeah, working up the rep counts there. Um, then what? Let's see, squats and deadlifts is the main uh, strength set. Um, we're increasing up from four sets last week to five sets, but lowering the rep slightly from eight to six. So it's five sets of six per movement, um, and the loads are just going up a little bit, particularly in session one. So we'll, the first set will be at 45%, and the last set will be at 65% of your one rep max or estimated one rep max, um, and kind of progressively building up between those. Um, yeah, but still really doable and moderate. Yeah. And the focus is still technique and, and learning the movements. Exactly, yeah. I mean, when you get to the 65%, you know, six reps, especially because really out of all of them, it's reps 25 24 through 30 because it's 30 reps total um you know i don't know i start to feel it yeah for sure and you have to really focus on your form so that's my tip to those of you who are doing the these movements on your own um stay focused uh the last couple sets it's sort of like in a race okay so like my silly example is wednesday night we did another cycle cross race i had five laps of this course um I was really tired that last lap and I was ahead of these two girls and I'm like, okay, Kathy, focus, focus. Don't turn, don't fall on these loose turns. And the next thing I knew I'd fallen because I like spaced out for a second. Like a washout. Yeah. I just washed out. Yeah. So same kind of thing in the gym, like focus on, on your form the last couple of sets because that's when you could hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And so just stay focused, be careful. Yeah. Don't start thinking about something else or daydreaming. Good point. Yeah. No, great analogy. Because that's true. You're accumulating that fatigue from all the previous sets or previous laps in your race. And yeah, you got to 
Don't space out. Don't space out. (laughs) Otherwise you slip. And you don't want to slip in a back squat. So... Um, and then the second strength session, um, we'll continue with kind of the sort of what I call the volume set, getting those base reps in, um, five sets of six again. So 30 reps total at about 55% of your one rep max. So it goes up a tiny bit, um, but we're down from 32 reps of those last week to 30 reps. So it's Mm -hmm. all subtle progressions, but we're progressing along, um, building that strength base, um, and setting us up for, um, some stronger lifting in the, in the future here. Um, and then power sets, nothing totally new here. Broad jumps and depth jumps, session one and session two. Um, just adding more sets. Yeah. Adding more sets. Total volume. Right. And then increasing the, possibly increasing the height of the box from which you'll jump Mm -hmm. down and the depth jumps. And if you're unfamiliar with any of these, um, we have videos on our YouTube channel, um, that have all of our strength movements uh, in them. And so, you know, if you're following the program and you can't quite remember what a depth jump is, you go and you look up the depth jump video and we, um, they're a couple minutes long and explain it all to you there. So um, Session 6 Sport Performance channel on um, YouTube has all that for you. Um, and then with on the bike side of things, nothing really new here. It's continuing that low heart rate aerobic foundation, keeping your heart rate um, kind of 60 to 75% of max. For most people, that's quite slow, um, but we're in that kind of just easy and fun riding, burning fat, you know, sparing glycogen. Um, it should be like fun, and I mean, I'm enjoying myself, you know, working up to some three and even I've had a couple, two, four-hour rides the last couple of weeks, um, and it's been fun just to have like no other objective other than go ride and Explore. like, oh, I haven't done this ride in a long time and, mm-hmm. you know, going up high grade or whatever and... Um, the trick is keeping your heart rate low, which I can proudly boast. I can do that up high grade. Yeah, that was impressive last or last week (laughs) in the aerobic zone. Um, but you can listen to episode six of our podcast for more on the heart rate. Blabbing about that. We we can't say it enough. Like slow down people. We'll be going fast and furious soon enough. So enjoy the, the low intensity cruiser rides while, while, while they're there. I mean, they'll always be there, but while they're the main focus. I'm thoroughly uh, enjoying it because yeah. I, I haven't been able to put many miles in or many hours in yeah. this summer. And it was a big deal for me to do four hours on Tuesday. Yeah. It was huge. It is. It's awesome. And I'm I so was, happy for even you. Even though I was um, going slowly, I was pretty wiped out the last... The rest of the day, you know, just right. like, oh my gosh, I haven't well, that's a great point, yeah. been on my bike that long in a while. but Yeah, I was the same way. Like, during the, the four-hour ride at whatever it was last Thursday, um, I, I thought, oh, this this is great. I feel great. But then, like, the rest of the day, it was just, like, kind of dragging. <laughs> oh, but another plug for that low heart rate, though, is um, I wasn't sure how I'd feel at the cyclocross race on Wednesday night after having ridden four hours, my longest ride in six months, the day before. But I actually felt amazing right. because I had followed the low heart rate rules. Low heart rate, so yeah. you were able to recover from I was from tired it. that day, but yeah. the next day I was like, all right, let's do it. Right. Let's go, let's go race. Yeah, yeah, I think, and that's, a, that's one of the many reasons why we do the low heart rate training yeah. is because you can do a lot of it. You know, you can only use small amounts of high intensity stuff before mm-hmm. you need to rest and you kind of break down. But the low heart rate stuff, you can continue to like build, 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 add more and more and more onto it. And that's what really makes you a, a fat burning machine and an endurance cyclist in the long run. So, um, so yeah, so keep, keep the heart rate down, ride as much as you can for as long as you can and have fun with it. You know, if you 
don't force yourself to do anything at this time of year, but hopefully it's fun and enjoyable and kind of keeps you wanting to get more in. Um, if you find that you're like, oh, I don't want to do this, then don't, you know, listen to your body. Um, you know, if you have in your mind, you know, you want to get this three hour ride in and you're just like, uh, that doesn't sound fun. Either skip it altogether, go for a hike instead, or go for a one hour spin to a coffee shop. Um, don't force anything this time of year, but Try and accumulate as many low heart rate miles as you can right well, now. Here's a fun idea. This What's is what that? Sophia and I have been doing. Lay it on me. <laughs> <laughs> Take a couple bucks, ride up to Evergreen, and buy a peach at that mm. JP's Farmer's Market. Right. right? Like it's like on the... Well, as you're riding up to Evergreen, it's on the left side of the road, right before you hit the little downtown. Pull over, buy a peach... You can get a little drink if you want, and then turn around and go back down to town. You, you've gotten three hours in if you've yeah. ridden from home, probably. Right, right. So, if, yeah. So, for those of you that aren't aware of what Evergreen is or where we're at, yeah, it's like, it's about, what, an hour and a half-ish Yeah, depends on where uphill. You, yeah. It's a great grade. I love it. Like you can usually, most people could ride that aerobically if they just slow down a little yeah. bit. and. I kind of like having a destination. I know you like to do like loops, which you could make this a loop, but I like to know I'm going to go somewhere. So right up to Evergreen, buy Have yourself a, l- a peach, snack. Yeah. and then turn around and go home. And then, Yeah. No, that's a great way to do it. I mean, that's how the basis of like, yeah, these low heart rate endurance kind of adventure rides should be. I, I'm a big fan of that. Like, yeah, set a destination, usually with a treat involved, a peach <laughs> know, or like even kids. a croissant or something, right? Yeah. And get there, enjoy it. And then ride back, yeah. you know, or make it a loop around, you know, that part doesn't matter as much, but yeah, having like a destination and a reward and then riding back and then next time try to extend it even a little longer if it's like a weekend ride or something. So, um, great. Uh, good, good show. So we already touched on, if you have questions, go to the forum endurance.session6.com. Um, or, or you can always email us, um, Cody with a C, C-O-D-Y, at session6.com or Kathy with a K at session6.com. We can answer your questions, steer you in the right direction if you have questions about training programs and whatnot. And then we also have, if, if the remote base builder program isn't maybe your cup of tea, we also have um, some, some pre-built stock base builder training plans that are also available. They won't be exactly what we're doing here and what you're listening to in the podcast, but they're very similar, and um, it'll make sense and, and work together um, for you there. So um, that's on our website as well under the individual drop-down menu and stock training plans there. So, um, And then last but not least, um, if you like listening to the show, definitely subscribe to our podcast. And um, if you can give us a five-star rating, that helps our rankings in the search engines on, um, on iTunes. And we're also on Google podcast now as well so for those that aren't apple inclined you can get on the google 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 <laughs> podcast that's the cousin to google right and then we'll start submitting to some other podcast uh servers or whatever yeah, I they're think called we just need one more episode yeah one more episode and then we can go to easily... soundcloud and iHeartRadio. yeah with some other stuff too so but give us a five-star rating if you can and um and reviews are always good as well it all boosts our like search engine status and everything so um, it makes us feel like what we're doing here, people are listening and yeah. <laughs> taking some sort of either enjoyment or benefit from it. Well, and if you happen to be, if you, 
so we're recording this on a Friday. If you happen to be listening today, later today, and um, you're going to be up at Valmont Park in Boulder tomorrow morning for the cyclocross races, come and say hi. Well, it's, we're easy to find with our, our van that's wrapped with our logos, um, and we'd love to say hi to you. Yeah, definitely. If you're in the Boulder area to race some cyclocross tomorrow, um, that's our plan. All right. Good show? Yeah. All right. All right. We're headed off to watch another daughter run a cross-country meet now. Yeah. So you have a great weekend, and we'll be we'll back, back next, next week. Friday. Yep. Thanks for listening.